beauty and skincare is always a hot topic around here, and today I want to tell you about a new product line I've discovered that I think you will like, Exponent Beauty. Listeners of the show will receive 20% off their purchase. More details on that in a minute. Exponent Beauty is a skincare brand with a line of activated anti-aging serums that are clinically proven to reduce fine lines and wrinkles. The beauty of Exponent Beauty is their innovative form factor. The powders are activated with a quadruple hyaluronic acid serum in their patented precision-dosed dispenser. The packaging is gorgeous, and the dispenser itself is refillable, so it has also reduced plastic waste. Exponent Beauty's line of serums can be found in med spas and spas and dermatologists' office around the country. The line is dermatologist-recommended and clinically proven to reduce those fine lines and wrinkles, and to increase brightness and radiance, and to firm skin without irritation. No more expired or underutilized products with Exponent Beauty, just high-quality skincare with ingredients that work. Go to ExponentBeauty.com and use code TELL20 for 20% off a purchase of $100 or more. That's Exponent, E-X-P-O-N-E-N-T, Beauty, B-E-A-U-T-Y.com and use code TELL20, T-E-L-L, the numbers two zero for 20% off your purchase of $100 or more. I'm Laura Tremaine, and I have 10 things to tell you, and you have 10 things to tell. This show is about connection with each other and with ourselves, and the hope is that the things we talk about here will be fuel for better conversations and a personal awareness. Each episode has a prompt or a topic that I want you to take to your journal, text to a friend, or share on social media using the hashtag 10 things to tell you. This is a show about digging deeper and sharing our stuff. I'll go first. Well, hello there. It is so good to be back in your ears after a few weeks off this summer to recover from my book launch, to spend some time with my family, to travel, to get some much needed rest and perspective, (laughs) maybe take a few steps back in order to sort of see a bigger picture. This is what I like to do every July. And so I hope that you enjoyed some of the replays that I posted in July, because those are some of my very favorite episodes from the first year of 10 Things to Tell You. And the thing about podcasts or social media or any of these things that we create to go online, they can get buried, they can get lost. And sometimes those are really good things that I want to bring back to the forefront. So it was fun to be able to share those with you. I hope you enjoyed them. Again, they're some of my favorites. And, you know, narrowing it down to just a few that I wanted to feature again took a minute. But They were all episodes that I thought you would get something out of this summer. But we're back officially now with all new episodes until the end of the year. And we are kicking off with a favorite things episode. You know, I do these favorite things episodes every few months for a few reasons. Number one is they're just fun. It is fun to share with you the things that I am loving. It is fun for you to share your own things that you are loving. 
I can tell that this is a topic that y'all like to come back to, these favorite things episodes. So fun is enough of a reason to do them, but there are also slightly deeper reasons. You know, the crux of 10 Things to Tell You is that we all have things to share. We all have things that we can recommend or talk about. Sometimes it's deep. Sometimes it's silly. Sometimes it's a product recommendation. Sometimes it's a topic that we really, you know, want to talk through. We all have those things. That's like the very thesis of 10 Things to Tell You. And so when we share favorite things, it's actually an exercise in gratitude. And I really do feel that. I feel when I sit down to you know, make a list or, you know, I keep a running list in my phone also of things that are my favorites right now in this season. It is like an ongoing moment of gratitude to be like, oh, I love this thing. This thing has made my life better or made me happy, or I want to share this thing with the world. That feels good to like have that kind of list, whether you stop down and do it all at once or whether you have a running list. It also serves as kind of a marker in time, right? Like these are my favorite things right now. And while you can go back and listen to past favorite things episodes, and a lot of them are, you know, evergreen recommendations or, you know, fun things to share. Some of them are like really specific to that season, to that year, whatever was going on right then. And if you've been around for a while, you know that that is something that I really value when I talk about journaling or marking the moment That can also be done in this style of listing favorite things. You know, it's really fun to do with your family. Like, what's our favorite things as a family right now? It's fun to do with your kiddos, with coworkers, or just in your journal of like, these are my favorite things right now. And I'm going to look back and this list is going to feel funny or nostalgic to me eventually. And so it's just all the reasons that we do favorite things episodes are good and valid and yes, fun. So before I tell you my 10 favorite things this summer, 2023, I have two small announcements for you. One, I am going to be doing book club drop-ins for those of you who have read in your book club, The Life Council, my new book that came out in April. If you will recall, when I released my first book, Share Your Stuff, I'll Go First, back in 2021, We were still deep in the pandemic (laughs) and I couldn't go on book tour. I couldn't, you know, go out and talk to people in person about my book. So at that time, I offered to do these book club drop-ins where if your book club read Share Your Stuff, then I would pop in on Zoom and say hi and answer a few questions or share a little bit more about the book, whatever you wanted to talk about as a book club. This was my favorite thing that I did. It was a thing that came out of sort of desperation, like just wanting to connect with readers, but it ended up being so fun. I talked to book clubs all over the country. I talked to huge book clubs. I talked to book clubs meeting in their backyards. I talked to book clubs that were virtual book clubs. I talked to official, like sort of professionally organized book clubs. And then I talked to just some friends who'd gathered with, you know, wine and a cheese board and just wanted to talk about share your stuff. Like I talked to all these different flavors of book clubs and it was super, super fun. So the Life Council, my new book, 10 Friends Every Woman Needs, a lot of people either already have read the Life Council for their book club or they're thinking about choosing it for the fall. 
If you are one of those people, if your book club falls into that category where you've already read it or you plan to choose it, I have set aside the end of October to do a bunch of book club drop-ins. So you can go to my website and sign up for one of these time slots. Tell me a little bit about your book club, how many is in it, where you met, how often you get together, what types of books do you normally read. Just give me a little bit of info, background about your book club, and then you will be able to sign up for a time slot at the end of October. And I would love to pop in via Zoom and say hi and talk about the Life Council and friendship. I'll put a link in the show notes. The URL is lauratremaine.com slash TLC book club drop in. But again, I'll share the link. It would just be so fun to meet more readers of the book. So that's the first thing. The second thing is I want to remind you of my very favorite project on the internet, my membership community that I call Secret Stuff. Secret Stuff is my private podcast and membership group where every single month you get personal episodes from me, a monthly reading roundup, two community Zooms where I lead a conversation either about a hot topic, like for example, this month we talked about Barbie, the movie, and this cultural moment. That was our Zoom meeting for August. It's called Symposium, these meetings. They're every single month. And then we also have a book club Zoom where I lead a conversation about the book that we read that month. This month in August, we are finishing up our Stephen King summer book club run. And so we are reading his nonfiction memoir called On Writing. In September, we are reading Elise Lunin's book called On Our Best Behavior, The Seven Deadly Sins and the Price Women Pay to Be Good. That should be a great conversation. And in October, we do all nonfiction in the fall, by the way. In October, we are reading the book Monsters, A Fan's Dilemma by Claire Dieterer. And this is about, you know, what do we do with art and movies and music that we love that is made by someone that has proven to be problematic. That's what this whole book is about, Monsters. That is our October pick. In the winter, we read classics. So the vibe will change after that. But if this is something that sounds interesting to you, these community Zooms are amazing. These book club meetings are so thoughtful and smart. And then, of course, if you like the overflow from this show, again, my personal episodes, my reading roundups of everything I read every month, and bonus content that gets cut from some of the interviews that we share here, like a lot of extra stuff, all of that is part of Secret Stuff, which is $7 a month. We have some really special things, extra special things happening there right now. I think you should join us. There will be a link in the show notes, or you can go to lauratremaine.com slash secret stuff. Okay, we're going to talk about our favorite things this summer. I'm just going to jump in. So the first thing that I want to talk about, which has actually been sort of a defining moment of my summer unexpectedly, and it is my birthday journal. (laughs) So my birthday is in June. And this year I turned 44, and I have sort of a thing about numbers, you might remember. And so 44 felt like momentous. (laughs) And also I was coming off of a little bit of a chaotic six months, bringing the show back, launching the book. There has just been a lot of work stuff going on behind the scenes in the first half of this year. 
Not to mention, you know, everybody has personal life stuff. My kids started middle school. There's a strike happening in Hollywood, which definitely affects our family. Like, there's just a lot that has been going on this year, honestly. And so I was coming into my birthday month and my actual birthday pretty weary and also just sort of unsettled, sort of discontent in a way that I knew that I sort of needed to deal with because it wasn't like something that I could easily pinpoint. It wasn't something I felt like I could just fix overnight. I really knew that there were some things I needed to drill down on and sort of examine. And to do that, I needed to get to sort of a healthier place. I needed to both lean in and take a few step backs, like, you know, all the cliches, all the metaphors. I knew that I needed in June to really like take a minute. And so my kids were away at summer camp on my actual birthday week. And I also had a book signing planned in Waco at Fabled Bookshop, which, by the way, one of my favorite bookstores on the planet. If you are ever in Waco, you must go to Fabled. I had a fantastic event there. But of course, I live in Los Angeles, so I had to fly to Texas my birthday week. My kids were at camp, so I had some flexibility. And so I actually spent five days in Texas, almost completely alone. My dear friend, Kara, who we're actually going to talk about in a second, my dear friend, Kara, joined me. So I had, you know, a friend for part of it. But there was also a big chunk where I was just at a hotel alone, which is something that I like to do at least once a year, sort of as a reset. And one of the things that I did was buy a notebook to specifically use as a birthday journal. So I just got a very normal, cheap, not particularly pretty notebook that I took with me to this hotel that I had really planned on using as a brain dump. Like I needed to get a lot of stuff out onto the page. And I really needed to process through and work through a lot of stuff, but not in my, you know, quote unquote, regular journal, not in a notebook that I was going to keep. Definitely not one that I felt like someone could accidentally find and read. My plan at the time was to sort of brain dump all of these things, maybe say hard things in this journal, maybe like really get some difficult words and feelings processed out on the page. And then when I was done with it, I could use it as a tool to, you know, help me work through these things. And then when I was done with it, like throw it away. It was a birthday journal for me to process, not a birthday journal for me to document or be sentimental about or have perfect sentences. It was going to be messy. I knew it was going to be messy. And I went into it with that kind of mindset of, I just need to write about a bunch of stuff. I just need to get it out. So a few things about this, why it became my favorite thing is because going into journaling, into your journal sessions, (laughs) into the time that you've set aside to journal with the mindset of, I'm going to throw this away, it lets you be a lot more honest. It lets you be, like I said, super messy. I didn't care about my handwriting. I didn't really care if I made any sense because I was going to kind of reread it over those few days, but I wasn't going to need to like reread it in a few years and need to make sense of it. It was for a very particular moment in time. And it happened to be around my birthday. So I'm calling it a birthday journal. But it opened up the possibilities for how you could do this for all kinds of, you know, events or moments or travel or, you know, one particular relationship, or maybe you might have, you know, a work type of journal where it was just 
work stuff. Now, I do have separate notebooks for a lot of different things. I have like a work notebook, but it's not a journal necessarily. It's more like it's like a place I take notes, actually. You know, so that's a different vibe. I just couldn't believe how effective this birthday journal was for me. And it became, like I said, a really defining part of my summer because it was such a good tool. I got so many things out. I came away from those few days of messy journaling and processing and being alone and sleeping and eating with my own body rhythms instead of you know, having to cater to my family and their schedule, like really just became a real reset for me emotionally, which is exactly what I needed. And again, the journal piece of it was so key that it also made me realize, you know, maybe I want to do this like throughout the year. It doesn't always have to be a big birthday or a big thing. Like maybe this is something that I can use just like during the holiday season when things are chaotic and I just need to sometimes write stuff down or like around my kids' birthdays. Both my kids have a birthday in the same week. And so it's a really like emotional and busy time. So maybe I could just have a journal that helped me through that little stretch of the year. Like it just was really important to me, this birthday journal. And so I'm sharing it with you as my number one favorite thing of the summer. Number two, not quite as weighty, it's a candle. (laughs) But I mean, we share all kinds of things here on the Favorite Things episode. This is a candle that I got from my friend Kara, the same friend who joined me for my birthday trip in Texas. She also hosted my book tour stop in May in Oklahoma. She is a surgeon. She lives in Oklahoma. And when I was in town for a few different events, my book signing at Commonplace Books in Oklahoma City. And then also I I did a private speaking event that same week. I stayed with Kara. I stayed at her house. And she has a brand new home that she just built. It is lovely. It is amazing. And right when I walked into it, I said, it smells so good in here. (laughs) Like, it smells amazing. It smells like a fancy hotel or a beautiful boutique or like, I don't even know. I just, I was immediately attracted to how her home smelled. It just smelled so luxurious. And then as it turns out, because she's a wonderful, sweet friend, she'd made me a little goodie bag, a little welcome basket in the guest room. And in that welcome basket, she had a small version of this candle that's all over her house. It smells so good because not to put too fine a point on it, but it's one of her favorite things. And she was sharing one of her favorite things with me that has now become one of my favorite things, which is how this whole thing works. The candle is The Nest New York brand. I'm sure you've seen these Nest candles. I actually have a Nest candle that I use around the holidays that is my favorite, favorite. But it's the only one that I had had was this um, holiday scented sort of cinnamony one. I had never purchased another one. So it is the Nest New York brand candle. And the scent is called Himalayan Salt and Rose Water. And it's pink and it is wonderful. And I put the little candle that she got me in my bathroom, makes me happy every time I walk in there. And then I loved it so much, I went ahead and bought a full-size one for my bedroom. I just loved it. So number two of favorite things is the Nest New York Himalayan Salt and Rosewater Candle. Number three, and for number three, you're kind of going to get three in one. (laughs) Number three, I'm going to talk about some apps that I have downloaded this summer that I've really liked. But the The main favorite thing is the Streaks app. 
So when I was doing some of my like resetting and journaling and trying to kind of reprioritize and make some changes, all of these things that happened in my birthday journal that I was journaling through and, you know, trying to figure out tweaks that I wanted to make to my life and rhythm and work and health, tweaks that long needed to be made. One of those things was implementing some habits. Like I am very sporadic about habits, whatever that means yoga or drinking a certain amount of water every day or meditating or all the things that you want to build a habit around. Even things that I can see are working for me are good things. I, you know, will get very gung-ho and do it for like a week. And then, of course, I like sort of fall off the habit wagon. (laughs) I knew that I needed a little bit more motivation. I've tried documenting my habits in all kinds of different ways. I've tried it in my planner. I've tried just a few different things that never quite took. And for whatever reason, I know it's not only the app. I know that you also have to be sort of like motivated to make this work. But for whatever reason, I did find an app that I really like that feels really satisfying when you check off that you did the habit that day that is color-coded, that makes a beautiful graph as you go so you can really like see your progress. There's just definitely some brain science behind this app that is called the Streaks app. I also like that it was really simple. When I was researching or trying out a few different other habit apps, some of them were just way too complicated. And I could appreciate what they were trying to do, but that just wasn't what I needed. Like I really just needed like to list the habits and then like check off that I did them. (laughs) I just needed to see progress. I didn't want reminders throughout the day. I didn't want, you know, a robot coach. Like I I didn't need any of that. I just wanted a pretty and effective habit tracker. And that is what I found in Streaks. It is a paid app, but it's not free. You do get a seven-day trial, which I signed up for, used it that first seven days and definitely felt like it was worth paying for it. So go check it out if that appeals to you. The other two apps that I also have been trying in the last month, they're also both paid, by the way, But I finally bought the Find What Feels Good app. This is Yoga with Adrienne. If you have ever done Yoga with Adrienne on YouTube, I have for several years now. I love her. I love her practice. I love how she teaches. It's exactly my speed of yoga. And I had never, you know, paid for her actual membership because I was getting everything I needed out of it from YouTube where it was free. But for a few reasons, notably like sort of convenience, I'm trying to stick to some habits and I needed it to be as easy as possible. And I also have enjoyed Adrian on YouTube for free for so many years. It felt exactly right to pay for her app at this point. So I bought that app. It's called Find What Feels Good. And then I also bought after, like, I've been getting served up these ads on social media for so long that I finally took the plunge and I am liking it. Now, just so you know, this is not my official number three. My official number three that I'm endorsing is the Streaks app. I'm telling you about these others just as a small tangent. But anyway, this one that I kept getting as an ad, I finally tried it. And I do like it. It's called the Stretch It app. One of the things that is happening to me as I age, I mean, I know this is common, but it's still like surprising when it happens to you, is I am holding so much tightness and tension in my body When I was young, I'm super flexible. I have very fluby joints. Like I'm like, you know, a noodle in a lot of ways. And as I'm getting older, that is radically changing. I'm getting stiff. I'm getting sore and having like 
you know, back pain or leg pain where I never did before. And I think a lot of that is due to like tightness and other factors, I'm sure, like dehydration and bad habits and bad posture. And, you know, it's not a one-stop shop, but I knew that stretching was something that was going to be helpful to me. So I am enjoying the Stretch It app as of right now. Okay, so those are the three apps. Streaks app is my main favorite thing. I also mentioned Find What Feels Good and the Stretch It app. Okay, number four, my favorite things, friendship bracelets. Now, it's true that I sort of have this on my mind because Taylor Swift, who we're going to talk about in a second, Taylor Swift friendship bracelets at her concerts has become, you know, a big thing, like a big thing that's happening and I'm living currently in that world. So that's one level of friendship bracelets. Also, I weirdly had friendship bracelets on my mind as I was launching my book, All About Friendship, not the, you know, beaded kind that are fun and very summery and casual and being traded at Taylor Swift concerts, not those, but adult friendship bracelets. And that's the thing that's one of my favorites right now. Adult friendship bracelets are such a nice touch and one of those things that I think we think we grow out of, except we don't. They're really fun. I got my first adult friendship bracelet, at this point it's been six years ago maybe, with some dear friends that after we shared like a core memory together, a a really core event together, we sort of wanted something to mark the occasion. We weren't going to get tattoos because we just weren't. And it seemed like it needed to be something more significant than like t-shirts or, you know, something like that. And so we actually got matching bracelets, like beautiful, like fine jewelry style bracelets, like beautiful, simple, delicate bracelets that all match, except in four different colors or four different stones. Actually, we have in the bracelet, but they're all the same, the same bracelet. We bought them together. It was like very meaningful to me. And that was years ago. And I wear that bracelet all the time. Now, what's funny about it is I'm pretty sure that other people in that group of us that got the friendship bracelets, they had friendship bracelets with other groups of friends, like marking other occasions. So it was kind of funny to see on their arm several different delicate bracelets that were sort of representing different friends or friend groups or moments. But to me, it was new. It was like, oh, adults can get friendship bracelets. This is very cool. I loved it. It felt very meaningful to me. And then after that, I did buy a friendship bracelet for another friend that we shared just between the two of us. I actually bought like it's a adult version of those best friends necklaces that we had, you know, in the 80s or 90s when we were kids, those gold or silver best friends necklaces that are split down the middle and one friend wears one and one friend wears the other. You can buy this dainty actual gold or silver version of that adult friendship bracelet from one of my favorite jewelry stores, Ring Concierge, ringconcierge.com. Not sponsored or anything, literally just sharing because I've bought several pieces from that site, including this adult friendship bracelet that is one of those best friends style pieces. Now, I know there might be mixed feelings on this particular thing, like you might feel like you've outgrown friendship jewelry, or you might feel like it feels exclusive. You know, like if you just have a best friend bracelet with one friend, but maybe you have a couple of best friends, like a lot of people in adulthood feel weird about the best friend title in the first place. Like I get it. I I don't find it to be that deep, but I know that a lot of people have a lot of feelings around it. So it might be more appropriate in your life or with your style to do what I did with my other friends of having these matching. They're just 
bracelets, you wouldn't know that they were friendship bracelets. They're just, they happen to be matching. And that can just be a really meaningful moment to mark with a friend. There is something about the psychology of it that like feels good to sort of share this kind of piece of jewelry with a friend that feels meaningful. And I just don't hear people talk about that that much. We talk about romantic jewelry that means something or heirloom, like family style jewelry that means something. You know, we wear our grandmother's necklace or, you know, that kind of thing. But you can also do this with friends. And I've done it and it does feel good. I'm here to report back. So that's why friendship bracelets are my number four favorite thing. Y'all know that I love to play games on my phone to unwind, and I am always looking for a new one to download. And I recently ran across Two Dots, and I want to tell you about it. Two Dots is a free-to-download puzzle-based game that involves connecting dots through relaxing puzzles while unlocking levels and collecting prizes along the way. There are different gameplay modes to make the experience unique and exciting with every single puzzle. There are over 5,000 distinct puzzles with various power-ups and special dots ready to earn as you move through the levels. The in-app music and visually stimulating interface provide a soothing experience when you just want to relax and unwind. Not only is Two Dots free to download, but it can also be played without internet connection. So playing on the go offline is a breeze. And if you don't want to play alone, you can challenge your friends on Facebook as well as connect with the larger Two Dots community for even more engagement. If you're looking for the perfect game to help you relax but also keep you engaged, download Two Dots for free on Android and iOS. With sunshine, outdoor activities, and so many fun things to do outside, it is impossible not to enjoy all of these good weather days up ahead. Of course, we all know that more sun and fun means more sweating, and yes, more odor. That's why I'm excited to tell you about Lumi. Lumi is the first of its kind in the full-body deodorant world and is seriously safe to use on any and every part of your body. It was created by an OBGYN who saw firsthand how regular body odor was being misdiagnosed and mistreated. I especially love that Lumi deodorant is baking soda and paraben-free. It is also pH-balanced for safe use on all areas of your body. You can choose from a variety of fresh scents like clean tangerine, lavender sage, and toasted coconut. Lumi's starter pack is perfect for new customers. It comes with a solid stick deodorant, cream tube deodorant, two free products of your choice, like a mini body wash or deodorant wipes, and free shipping. As a special offer for listeners, new customers get $5 off a Lumi starter pack with code U at lumideodorant.com. That equates to 40% off your starter pack when you visit Lumi, L-U-M-E, deodorant, D-E-O-D-O-R-A-N-T, dot com and use code U, Y-O-U. Okay, so we're on number five and gear up because this is a big one, or at least it has been a huge one for me this summer. Number five is taking loved ones on the trip of a lifetime. So there are a lot of roots here for why this is a big deal for me. I grew up not traveling very much at all. I did not fly on an airplane until I was 13 years old. And while my family did do family vacations, I grew up snow skiing and going to the beach, we drove to those destinations. And those are wonderful family memories. But I did not grow up with any experience of like tourism, like being a tourist, going to historic places or museums. It was something that I didn't do at all. 
until college. I just had not had very much travel experience or a different culture exposure, anything like that, the first couple decades of my life. And I knew that in adulthood, this was something that I for sure wanted to do was travel, see the world, you know, experience all different kinds of ways of living and being. And that has been completely true in my adulthood from budget style backpack traveling, like staying in hostels to luxury travel and beautiful hotels and like everything in between. And one of the things that I always sort of keyed in on was how other families did big trips. I mean, there's like a thousand ways you can do this, you know, like big trips for an anniversary or a birthday. Or one of the things that always stuck in my mind was when like parents or grandparents took a kid on a special trip when they turned 10 or 12 or 16 or something like that. I just thought that that seemed so special and something that I really always wanted to be a part of my life. But you have to execute those dreams. You know, you have to make sure that they happen. And it can often feel like overwhelming or, you know, a flex, because of course, not everybody can travel and not everyone has that ability. It's a financial constraint. It's a time constraint. There are cultural barriers. It's not easy right now to get a passport. It takes a lot of time. Like there's just a lot of of obstacles to making trips happen, logistical and financial obstacles, and then also like, frankly, emotional ones. So when the opportunity came about, and I guess, I mean, I pursued it. So is it an opportunity or was it something I pursued? But sort of both. When I got it in my head that I wanted to take a very special trip this summer, even as I was going through the steps to make it happen, I was very nervous about it. It felt like just a very big deal. But here's what we did. In July, we took my dad for his 80th birthday to Wimbledon the most iconic tennis tournament in the world outside of London. My dad is a decades-long tennis player. He has played tennis my whole life. He told me on the trip that he started playing tennis in 1969. And when I was growing up, he played tennis almost every single day, unless there was bad weather, because Oklahoma, and then he would go inside and play racquetball. So he has been a tennis fanatic, both watching it and playing it, for my whole life. And he turned 80 this summer. And that felt like such a big deal. I feel so lucky that my parents are here and healthy and able to take a trip like this. And I really wanted to make this happen. And so we did. And it was as magical as I could ever imagine. I mean, Wimbledon itself is is magical. It is even better than what you see on the TV. It is gorgeous. It is a vibe. Like, it is a whole thing. And we just had the most wonderful time. But of course, as in all things, it wasn't just about the tennis. I mean, I mean, like, the tennis was fun. We're there for tennis. But it was also about the whole experience of getting to be in Europe with my family and my parents, something that we never got to do together before this. Like I said, my parents weren't big travelers. They've actually been traveling more lately than they ever have, which I'm all for. But there had never been a time when I could have been in another country with my parents. And it just was not lost on me how special it was the whole time we of course did the tennis tournament, but we also did sightseeing. My dad studies a lot of history. And of course, there's so much historic happening in London, both like with royalty, the royal family, also the world wars, also like past centuries of 
kings and queens and the Tower of London. And, you know, we just we did all the things. And it sort of ticked everyone's boxes of a wonderful family trip. I cannot recommend London enough, actually, if you were ever able to make a trip like that. It's one of my favorite cities in the whole world. It actually might be my very favorite city in the whole world. There's so much to do. It's easy to get around. We never got bored. I mean, literally, there was something for every single one of our interests. It was just, I can't say enough about it. London is the best. But it wasn't just a cool city that made it my favorite thing on this list. It was really this ability to mark a special occasion. And an 80th birthday is a hugely special occasion. And make a trip come true that just wouldn't have otherwise. There's just so many moving parts when you're traveling with a lot of people, people who have different needs, people of different ages. It's a lot of logistics. It's a lot of hoping for the best. It's a lot of having a good attitude and managing a lot of emotions and needs. And it just was something I'll never forget. Traveling with my parents on one end of the spectrum and my kids on the other end of the spectrum, you know, me being in the middle of those generations and caring for both sides of them in different ways. It was something I'll never forget and something that I wanted to share with you as a favorite thing, yes, and also maybe as an encouragement that if you're able, if it's anything that has been knocking around in the back of your mind to put together a family trip or a milestone trip or a special moment or something, but it just seems like it would be too hard, too complicated, too expensive, that of course those obstacles are valid. But also if there's any way to make it happen, I think it's worth it. It was just so worth it. All of my trepidation about it, because I can be a nervous Nelly about having high expectations for something and just being worried that it's not going to work out the way I planned. And of course, sometimes things don't, but I think it's worth the risk. I think it's worth doing the trip anyway. It was just a really wonderful, special experience. And I'm so glad we did it. So that was number five, taking loved ones on the trip of a lifetime. Number six, and we are really going to like take a turn here. <laughs> Number six is a TV show that I downloaded on my iPad for this very trip because flying from Los Angeles to London is many, many hours. It's like nine hours one way, 10 hours going the other way. I mean, it is a long time to hang in the air. And I downloaded Abbott Elementary. Listen, I know this show has been out for a couple years. I know I'm behind the times. I've been hearing about it, but I don't watch a ton of TV. I've talked about that here. We have a few shows that we really love. I was obsessed with Succession. Jeff and I love The Righteous Gemstones. I mean, I have a few shows every single year that I really get into, but I am not a person that watches TV every night, like at all. I just don't watch a ton of TV. And so even when I'm hearing about one that's, you know, popular and fun and has won a bunch of awards, it still doesn't make me like rush out because I don't sort of allocate the time to watch much TV. But again, when you're going to be in the air for a long time, I downloaded Abbott Elementary. If you don't already know, this is a mockumentary sitcom, like almost in the style of The Office or something where it looks like they're making a documentary. So the characters, the, you know, the primary people, they speak directly to camera. And this one is set in a poorly funded elementary school in Philadelphia. And you might think with that premise, like, that doesn't sound very funny. <laughs> and and there are sort of there are like truly deeper issues explored here and things that are like hard and sad about 
working in a poorly funded elementary school. But it is also so smart and so funny. And I am so invested in it. It is for sure one of my favorite things. It originally airs on ABC. I downloaded it on Hulu. And again, I realize I'm late to this party. In its first year, which was the 21-22 TV season, in its first year, it was nominated for seven Emmy Awards and won three. So like, people love this show. I'm the late one. But I thought maybe if you wanted something like this that's funny, but also thoughtful. Sometimes I feel about TV the way I feel about books. Like I don't want to watch something like fluffy. Like I feel like if I'm going to invest in something, I want it to be weighty or very like intellectual or something. You know, I like like the prestige shows on HBO and that kind of thing. And I feel like those things are worth the time and investment to really like sit down and pay attention. I don't always watch a lot of comedies because I feel like, well, you know, I'd rather be reading or something like that. And then when I do watch a comedy, I'm like, why don't I do this more often? Doesn't it feel good to laugh? Why am I depriving myself of like fun and funny things like this? It's very weird. It's very weird what the brain does. But anyway, Abbott Elementary, my number six favorite thing this summer. I have loved it. Number seven, the opposite of fun and funny is a podcast series. It is five episodes. I binged it. It is really a hard topic and definitely not going to be for everyone, but I'm recommending it because it is so well done and it is so important. It is called The Retrievals, and it is about something that went down at the Yale Fertility Clinic. So a few things here. If this is going to be difficult for you, the subject matter at a fertility clinic, it is talking about a nurse who was stealing pain medication. And so the patients were not receiving the pain medication and they were unaware of it until it was too late during the procedure of egg retrievals. This is tough stuff. This is hard stuff. It is made by Serial Productions, if you listen to the Serial Podcasts and the New York Times. So you know the quality is going to be high. I also feel like it redeems itself from another series this summer by Serial Productions that I did not care for, The Coldest Case in Laramie. Almost made me hesitate to press play on the retrievals, but I'm so glad that I did because it's very well done. The retrievals is, again, all the episodes are out by now. There's only five of them. And I just feel like it's an important topic for a lot of different reasons. Most importantly, that it feels like the facility, the doctors, the nurses, everyone failed these women who were saying how much pain they were in. Nobody was tracking that it wasn't just one woman who maybe had a different pain tolerance or something, that it was dozens of women and nobody realized like, huh, something else must be going on here. And it just felt like such a failure of listening to women, especially in a a medical setting and it being a fertility clinic and especially vulnerable medical setting. So again, all the caveats, if this would be too hard for you to listen, but it was just very, very good. It is called The Retrievals. Number eight, favorite things of the year. This goes back a little bit to my birthday journal and resetting and habits and sort of a lot of the themes that we've been talking about. And this is going to be a management system that I'm using for work. You could also use it for personal, but I think it's primarily used for work. That has been a game changer for me and hopefully for my team, my podcast editor and producer, Colleen, my operations manager, Caroline. It's just the three of us that do all things 
here on the podcast and in my membership community and with book launches and classes I teach and all the things, there's the three of us managing and juggling just a lot of different projects and tasks. And we had tried a few different things over the years. We tried Asana. We tried ClickUp. These are popular project management tools, team management tools. And most of them seemed like there were good programs, actually like Asana and ClickUp. I've talked about ClickUp before. I think it was my favorite things, you know, a couple of years ago on one of these episodes. They are good programs. They were almost too robust for us. There was almost like too many complications or options or features that was we were sort of drowning in it and it felt very confusing. So it's not every day that you find a product that you truly love and want to shout about from the rooftops. Well, friends, I have found something that I am genuinely excited to share with you today, and that is Born Shoes. Born Shoes are made with the best top quality leather with functional stitching and flexibility. They are lightweight, but they're also supportive. They are great for all casual occasions, extremely comfortable, and especially good for travel. The brand recently gifted me a pair of the Ithaca style sandals. Of course, they are beautiful. The footbed has extra foam for added comfort and with a slight heel for lift. I am positive that I could walk all over London in this pair of shoes, just like I did in my Born Sandals last summer. Born Shoes offers sandals, flats, boots, and heels in several styles and color choices. Take comfort in Born Shoes. Every season, they make high-quality shoes that feel as good as they look. With artistic touches, unparalleled craftsmanship, and exquisite materials, Born designs shoes to satisfy the demands of every lifestyle. Go to bornshoes.com for a 15% discount plus free ground shipping on all full-price shoes when you use my promo code TELL. That's born, B-O-R-N, shoes, S-H-O-E-S, dot com and use promo code TELL, T-E-L-L, for 15% off and free shipping, available exclusively to our listeners for a limited time. For a couple of years now, we have almost exclusively used Google Workspaces, Google Drive, as our biggest tool. You know, we need a calendar, we need task lists, we need, you know, documents and files and things like that. And you can do all of that in Google Drive. And that has been working. I mean, I would say it has been working okay, like maybe 75% was working. But as, you know, things get bigger and more complicated and Again, juggling a lot of things, I was like, I'm getting confused about all that we are doing. I need to be able to separate out tasks. I need to be able to see exactly who's doing what and when it's due. And it just feels like everything's all kind of jumbled together with Google. We weren't able to separate it out in a way that was like sort of visually, like I'm a visual person, like visually not only appealing, but also like organized in a way that made sense to me. I found the solution this summer, or at least the solution for right now, and it is called Basecamp. Basecamp's been around for a long time. Probably a lot of people have used it. I actually tried Basecamp a couple of years ago when we were trying out different systems and abandoned it right away. I like literally didn't get it. I can't explain to you why it clicks for me now. But for some reason, when I tried it out this time, after hearing from a couple of friends that that's what they were using was really effective for them, and I watched a few kind of YouTube videos about it to see if it would work for us, signed up for the free trial, and I am in love. Now, I signed up for this free trial in June. So this was, again, around my resetting times when I was trying to make some new systems. 
And I wanted to try it for myself for a good month or so before I introduced it to my team because, you know, I am, listen, I am not world's best manager, but I know better than to be like, here's our whole new thing that we're all going to do without really giving it a kind of test run on myself. So I used it, set it all up the way I wanted it for our team. And I used it for about five weeks. And finally, at the end of July, beginning of August, as we were you know, coming back from our travels and looking forward, I shared it at our team meeting. And that is what, what we have been using. Now, as I record this, as a team, we've only been using it a couple of weeks. But again, I used it for five or six weeks like alone to make sure I liked it before I brought it to the team. And it is just exactly what I need because it is really simple. When again, those other management tools that are great and very well done were almost too complicated. Basecamp lets you just have different projects, the things that you're working on. So I have like a project for the podcast, a project for the book launch, for example. And then within that project, you have your to-dos and your documents. For us, because we already have so much living in Google Drive, you can incorporate that so easily. So there's like a place within the project to link out to the Google Doc that already has all of that information, you know, so you can see everything at a glance, even if you're having to click and and certain things live in other places, if that makes sense. What I really needed to do was see everything in that project at one time. And that is what Basecamp is allowing me to do. I'm enjoying it so much. I also love the app. So that was a huge part for me also is that some of those more robust programs, their app was really complicated and it was actually like hard to add or assign a task or do whatever minutia thing you need to do within the app, like from your phone. It was much more accessible on the laptop or desktop or whatever. Not true with Basecamp. I am using Basecamp frequently now on both my phone, the app, and also when I'm on my laptop working like in the day and can't say enough about it so far. It is my number eight favorite thing of the summer. It's called Basecamp. Number nine, my favorite book of the summer. Now, if you follow me on Instagram, you might already know this because I did post about this a few weeks ago. And if you're in secret stuff, my community, you've heard me talk about this book ad nauseum already. My favorite book of the summer is Shark Heart by Emily Haybeck. Now, a few things about this. One, I was turned on to this book by Elizabeth Barnhill, who is the book buyer at Fabled Bookshop that I already mentioned. My book signing for the Life Council in Waco this summer while we were there. She said, hey, do you know this book is coming out? And did you know that this author is from your hometown? And I was like, what? Because no, I hadn't heard of the book yet. It comes out in August and this was in June. But also I'm from a really small town. So I was surprised not only was there this amazing author coming out of our hometown that I hadn't heard about, but I was also surprised that I hadn't heard about it. (laughs) Like small town news travels fast. And so I was like, no one has told me this. Why am I hearing about this from a friend in Texas? But I was so excited. I took home the copy that Elizabeth offered me, an early copy, devoured it right away. And I am so excited that this book is now coming out August 8th. So this is a novel. It's about newlyweds, and the husband is slowly becoming a great white shark. You heard me right. The husband is turning into a great white shark in real time. And this is not humorous. This is like actually a thing that is happening. (laughs) If that appeals to you, like that's enough. You can just go buy the book right then. It's like when I talked about the book Into the Drowning Deep and said it is mermaid horror. And for some people, that's all they needed to know. Click, purchase, done. That's how I also feel a little bit about Shark Heart, even though these are radically different books. Shark Heart is much more literary, 
to put it mildly, than into the drowning deep. But if the description alone of a man who is slowly turning into a great white shark is enough for you, then by all means, please go buy it right away. For those who might need a little more convincing with a premise like that, it is beautifully written. It is about so much more than just the shark piece of it. It is about identity and loneliness and partnership and finding who you really are. And if those match up to what your dreams are, like there's just a lot happening in this book, but not too much. There's layers to it is what I mean. And I just loved it. I don't want to say too much. I don't want to give any spoilers. But what I do want to say is if you are local at all to the Los Angeles area is Emily Haybeck is going on book tour. And one of her stops is going to be here at Book Soup, one of my favorite local bookstores in West Hollywood. And I'm going to be in conversation with her for that event. It is on September 13th. 7 p.m. at Book Soup. I will post about this. Also put the information again in the show notes. But I would love to have anyone local come see this debut author and how amazing she is. And I would also love a chance to meet you myself. I do not know Emily, I guess I should say. I guess I should back up and say, I found out she was from my hometown. We do not know each other. We have never met. But I did reach out to say, oh my goodness, we're from this same tiny town in Oklahoma, and I loved your book, and congratulations. And she was so kind in response, and then extended the invitation for me to be sort of the moderator kind of thing at her bookstop here in LA, and I could not say yes fast enough. I'm just thrilled to share her work with the world, and I would love it if you would read the book or come to that event in September. That was number nine, my favorite book of the summer, Shark Heart by Emily Haybeck. Okay, number 10. It's not going to surprise you. Maybe it's one of your favorite things of the summer too. Number 10 is event culture. And what I mean by that, I mean like Barbie. I mean like Taylor Swift, the era's tour. I am seeing all around us that what people want is an event. They want to dress up and have a reason to have a theme and a night out and do something with their friends. And it is shaped around this movie or concert or whatever, but it's deeper than that. And I've loved the Barbie movie. And I am in absolutely in awe of Taylor Swift and what she is doing with the Eras tour, because how can you not be? But what I am talking about for this as my favorite thing is more about like seeing people making these things into an event. I feel like there's a lot of things happening here that are contributing to it, not the least of which is coming out of a pandemic where we weren't able to do events. And so now everything feels like a big event. And I feel like in this transition, we had a moment where like big events felt like way too much. We weren't ready for them. We'd all become introverts or shy or unsure how to dress in cute clothes anymore or whatever. You know, it felt like ugh, big events, like I'm too lazy for that now. I've gotten out of the habit of that. And instead, now we are back in full force. I'm not diminishing the meaning of these things that are highly women-centric, that are symbols of empowerment or like actual empowerment. But there are other cultural layers here to wanting to celebrate, wanting something fun. When our news cycle, our political landscape, so much is so depressing and concerning and it feels historically awful in some ways. So for now, things to feel in these certain pockets like magic, which I've used a lot in this episode, that word, or monumental, momentous, a whole event, that feels 
right. That feels like what we want. We don't want to doom scroll anymore. We don't want to think that the country or the world is going to hell in a handbasket every single minute. It is a brief break from that existential crisis to feel like, look at all of us, 80,000 people in a stadium singing along and cheering and sharing bracelets and crying and having a moment. That's as close to a religious experience as we are going to have right now. And that's amazing. We'll never forget summer 2023 for this very reason. I don't think these will be the last two things that events pop up around. I think there might be more of it coming, but watching it has just been spectacular. That's how I felt about it. It gives me hope. It's making social media fun again to see some of these posts and see people's like fun experiences. There's just something about it that I'm just not sure can ever be replicated. But we're in this moment right now, and I, for one, am going to enjoy it. I've had, as you can hear, a pretty memorable summer. I wonder if you have too. Whether it has been full or whether it has been slow, whether it has been busy or whether it has been full of rest, I hope that you take time this week to sit down with a friend, with your journal, and truly do list 10 of your favorite things right now. Everything from a lipstick to an app to a movie to a podcast to a person to a favorite memory of the last few months. I think it's so important that we do this, and I appreciate that you let me do it with you here on the show. Thanks for listening, my friends. Now go share something. You've just listened to an episode of the 10 Things to Tell You podcast. For show notes and links, go to 10thingstotellyou.com. Make sure you're following us on Facebook and Instagram at 10 Things to Tell You, and you can also join our free connection group on Facebook to discuss episodes and topics. For bonus content, ad-free episodes, and monthly Zoom gatherings with me, join my Secret Stuff Patreon community by going to 10thingstotellyou.com slash secret stuff. Thanks for listening. 